If you were with us for the previous recording, we studied from 2 Kings about the prayer of Hezekiah when he had just received a threatening letter from the leader of Assyria. If you were not able to listen to that recording, I'll briefly review it, and then we are headed in this recording to Isaiah chapter 38. If you need to pause the recording and navigate your Bible over to that passage, Isaiah chapter 38. This is about a man who was not perfect like us, but on these occasions he exhibited something valuable and worthy of our good attention. We're able to learn from this. We will get into that in just a moment. This morning, we studied from 2 Kings 19. In that previous recording, 2 Kings 19. King Hezekiah reigned over Judah, and the Assyrians defeated some of his fortified cities, and then issued a threat to Hezekiah in a letter. Hezekiah took that letter and laid it out before God, praying for relief from Assyrian aggression. And I made the point, prayer was his first response to this threatening letter. We looked into the passage in 2 Kings chapter 19 and made applications for us today. Now, in in this session, another incident in the king's life, very similar, from Isaiah chapter 38. The same man we talked about in the previous recording, Hezekiah, but this was a different occasion. I want to take you to Isaiah chapter 38. Isaiah 38, 1 through 3. In those days, Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die, you shall not recover. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord and said, Please, O Lord, remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. The chronology isn't easy here when you compare Second Kings, Chronicles, and Isaiah, but it seems that this illness was simultaneous with the Assyrian threat. It is useful to remember that Hezekiah, while admirable in some respects, was not perfect. He had erred in his reliance on Egypt, and the next chapter here in Isaiah, Isaiah 39, documents Hezekiah's error when he had opened up the temple treasury, giving access to envoys from Babylon. We could call that a breach in national security. Our present focus is on this terminal illness reported here in Isaiah 38, and it was more personal than the Assyrian threat to the nation or the pending Babylonian invasion. This was about an illness in this man's body that would lead to death. What is his response? He is seriously ill. What is his response? Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord and said, Please, O Lord, remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart 
and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Whatever can be said about the king's errors, this was again his first response, to ask God to remember him. What happened next? Let's just keep reading in Isaiah 38, 4 through 8. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God of David your father, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears. Behold, I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria and will defend this city. This shall be the sign to you from the Lord that the Lord will do this thing that he has promised. Behold, I will make the shadow cast by the declining sun on the dial of Ahaz, turn back ten steps. So the sun turned back on the dial, the ten steps by which it had declined. God not only heard his prayer, it says he saw Hezekiah's tears. This is God's compassion. In response to his servant's simple supplication, It is what I observed with you in the previous recording that the magnificent blessing we ought to appreciate is that we can speak to the Almighty. And may I remind us the power is not in our words, our passion, our gestures, our eloquence. The power of prayer lies in the one we are praying to. So Hezekiah prays, and God hears him, sees his tears, and grants him 15 more years, accompanied by the miracle of the sundial. Now, stay with me here in Isaiah 38, and let's just keep reading from verse 9. Isaiah 38, from verse 9 down through verse 20. It says, A writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, after he had been sick and had recovered from his sickness. So what we have here in Isaiah 38 is something Hezekiah wrote that's included in the book of Isaiah. Verse 10, I said, in the middle of my days, I must depart. I am consigned to the gates of Sheol for the rest of my years. I said, I shall not see the Lord the Lord in the land of the living. I shall look on man no more among the inhabitants of the world. My dwelling is plucked up and removed from me like a shepherd's tent. Like a weaver, I have rolled up my life. He cuts me off from the loom. From day to night, you bring me to an end. I calmed myself until morning, Like a lion, he breaks all my bones. From day to night, you bring me to an end. Like a swallow or a crane, I chirp. I moan like a dove. My eyes are weary with looking upward. O Lord, I am oppressed. Be my pledge of safety. What shall I say? For he has spoken to me, and he himself has done it. 
I walked slowly all my years because of the bitterness of my soul. O Lord, by these things men live, and in all these is the life of my spirit. O restore me to health and make me live. Behold, it was for my welfare that I had great bitterness, but in love you have delivered my life from the pit of destruction, for you have cast all my sins behind your back. For Sheol does not thank you, death does not praise you. Those who go down to the pit do not hope for your faithfulness. The living, the living, he thanks you as I do this day. The Father makes known to the children your faithfulness. The Lord will save me and we will play my music on stringed instruments all the days of our lives at the house of the Lord. Now, this may seem complicated. This is one of those unique parts of Scripture where someone wrote something and it did not become an entire book in the Bible, but it's recorded inside a book. This is a writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, a psalm of Hezekiah, provided in the text of Isaiah, in which he celebrates his miraculous rescue from the brink of death, expressing how he felt during that time when he thought he was going to die. A lot of Christians I know have formed a personal discipline called journaling. Used to, it was called keeping a diary. You may not be writing for anyone but yourself. Writing is a way of thinking, reflecting, or documenting. You have some thoughts you need to organize or remember or sequence. Something happened, and you have some insight, and your first thoughts may be more emotion than anything else, and So you keep a personal journal alongside your Bible reading plan, maybe, and you write down your thoughts. That's kind of like what Hezekiah did that Isaiah recorded. I find it fascinating, but instructive. It is called in some translations a song. In the English Standard Version, a writing after God extended his life. And the passage is loaded with various kinds of images that may be hard for us to understand. Uh, The king's emotions as he faced the prospect of death. But what's in this writing that can provoke good thought for us? May I call your attention now to several lessons for us in this work of King Hezekiah recorded by Isaiah. When we are seriously ill, we are very apt to review our lives, think more of eternity, and spend more time reflecting and praying. That should lead us to draw closer to God and cherish the very real hope God has promised to his people. Hezekiah is grateful This is a song of thanksgiving, but he tells his story. He reports his emotions, and of course, it reads a little mixed up because that's the way emotions often are. 
I want to say to us, we have a means of facing death that equips us to handle emotions of fear. Hezekiah's writing here is written in the style of Hebrew poetry. Hezekiah records his fear of death, his mixed-up emotions that was interrupted by God's grace for which he was thankful. But I'm saying we have a means of facing death that equips us to handle emotions of fear. I think it's, it's good to remember that Hezekiah lived before Christ came, before the cross, before the resurrection of Christ and its hope. I am not certain exactly what his view of life after death was. The word Sheol meant something like the darkness or, or the distance of the grave, an empty place between death and whatever they thought about any distant resurrection. I can't read the mind of Hezekiah beyond his obvious fear of death and his mixed-up emotions. What can be said is Hezekiah lived before Christ came, before the cross, before the resurrection of Christ and the hope that attaches to that resurrection. What is also clear for Christians today who face death is the New Testament affirmation of a better hope. There is emphasis on this in the book of Hebrews. For instance, the word better is a key word in Hebrews. We have a better high priest, a better covenant, a better hope. Hebrews 7.19 speaks of the bringing in of a better hope by which we can draw near to God. In 1 Peter 1 verse 3, we have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Today, Christians can face death with a perfectly revealed hope, not just a shadow as Old Testament saints may have had. Christians today can face death with a perfectly revealed hope based on the resurrection of Christ from the dead. Now, I'm not arguing that Old Testament saints had nothing to look forward to. The concept of resurrection is written in the Old Testament, but today, on this side of the cross and Christ's resurrection, we can, as Paul put it in Philippians 1, long to depart and be with Christ. When we listen to Hezekiah's innermost mixed-up thoughts, we can thank God that we live on this side of the resurrection of Christ. It is the greatest comfort there is when you face death. Someone told me one time, every time you have fears and thoughts and dread of death, remember who Jesus is, what he did for you, and what he promised to you and all his faithful people. At one point, Hezekiah said, verse 11, I shall not see the Lord. Disciples of Christ can say, we shall see the Lord. When we encounter the fear of death, that's when our hope in Christ needs to come to the front of our minds. Furthermore, the greatest joy expressed in this writing of Hezekiah is having God's forgiveness. The greatest joy is not about the 15 added years. The greatest joy is about God's forgiveness. 
As far as words go, the last phrase in verse 17 is worthy of note. For you have cast all my sins behind your back. This is one of so many statements and descriptions of God forgiving sinners in the Old Testament. Hezekiah knew God, knew his grace and power. The image is good for us. God casting our sins behind his back, remembering our sins no more. Now, the pardon does not mean the sin never happened. It doesn't mean all the consequences disappear. It means the sinner, the transgressor, is forgiven when true repentance takes place. Think of it this way. When we face our sins in repentance, God cast those sins behind his back. King Hezekiah was not a perfect man, but in this writing, he gives us a perfect picture of God's grace in forgiving sinners. Something else I need to bring up. God has the power to work effectively and perfectly in situations where we think it is hopeless. Let me say that again. God has the power to work effectively and perfectly in situations where we think it is hopeless. I understand there are many situations here on earth that take us to such despair, we are tempted to think it is hopeless. I hope we never think or say that God can't do anything about this. His will may be to give us strength to get through the test. But he remains all-powerful, and that conviction should be our constant attitude. May I take us to Ephesians chapter 3, sometimes called Paul's prayer for spiritual strength. Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You heard that phrase? Able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. God has the power to work effectively and perfectly in situations where we think it is hopeless. What a captivating study when we take the time to look carefully into King Hezekiah's life. 
his prayers, and this passage that is embedded in Isaiah 38 that demonstrates the emotional confusion as Hezekiah faced death. Now, I'm sorry to report, if you keep reading into the next chapter, Isaiah 39, the king committed another error. But the Holy Spirit gave us his story to instruct us. And in the words of Hezekiah's prayers, there are valuable lessons for Christians today. Today, Christians can face death with a perfectly revealed hope based on the resurrection of Christ from the dead. King Hezekiah was not a perfect man, but in this writing, he gives us a perfect picture of God's grace in forgiving sin. God has the power to work effectively and perfectly in situations where we think it is hopeless. Thank you for listening.